Hey folks, I want to thank you for uh, joining us as we continue to produce an online version of the sermon. Uh, we know that uh, some of you have grown accustomed to this and comfortable with it and uh, want to continue to promote uh, growth and maturity as we spend the next eight or nine weeks actually studying that very topic. So we are meeting in person at 9.45 and 11 a.m. at the church, uh, but we would really want you to dig into the topic of spiritual maturity with us over the next few weeks. So, so if you're ready to go, we're going to dive right in today, and uh, we're going to set it all up, set the whole series up according to what it is that the Bible says about maturity. And, and the, the first step is really to understand the process that God has laid out for us. And the simplest way, we've already discussed a couple of pieces of it, uh, are three words. There is justification, sanctification, and glorification. If you have been studying the Bible for very long or, or are looking into theological concepts, you would have heard of some of these words. And I want to put them in the context of a lifetime of a believer. The first one is justification. And this is what God has already done and what we have talked about as we ended the book of Mark as, as Jesus became that once and for all sacrifice for us. We have been declared righteous, if you remember from the last series, that our righteousness comes from Jesus in front of a holy God he views us in light of Jesus' sacrifice, and we are righteous. It's not something we can do on our own. It's something that has already been done for us. We can't take any, any credit or any confidence in our abilities. We simply need to be thankful and grateful for what God has done on our behalf. The second phase of it is the place where we live. When you are born until the day that you die, there is a sanctification process. There's this process of being drawn into the life that God has orchestrated for you. As a believer, when you accept Jesus' sacrifice and become justified, you begin the process of sanctification, growing up in maturity and in faith toward looking like Jesus. It helps us to understand that as we watched all through the last series, as we watched Jesus interact with people, including his disciples, the Pharisees, those who were outside of his sphere of influence, outside of Judaism. We watched him work and, and pursue a lifetime of growth for those folks. The last phase is the word glorification, and that is the, the aim of our life, that, that we would be understanding justification, that we're declared righteous, and we begin this journey of sanctification, becoming more and more like Jesus as we grow and mature and, and enter into that relationship with him, and then all with the hope of being glorified, that eternity is secure as a result of the sacrifice that Jesus made and our faithful pursuit of the goal that Jesus has put us uh, in charge of. He's given us some choices that God has allowed us to have this thing that, that is hotly contested called free will, that we have choices and we can do things on certain days in certain hours differently than others, others before. 
all with these three things in mind, that we, first of all, have a sacrifice once and for all for us through Jesus, and our righteousness comes from him, and then we step into this relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. He is our guide, as we'll talk about in a moment, of sanctification, growing up and maturing as a believer, all in the hopes that one day we will be glorified and get to spend eternity with Jesus and God the Father. With those things set up, I wanna, we want to spend the, the majority of the time in the next nine weeks in this sanctification process. What does it mean to grow up into Jesus who is our head, as the Bible says? Or, or what does it mean to be a part of the body and how do, we, how do we work together as the church, as the bride of Christ? All of those things we're going to explore over the next nine weeks. I want to start because as God has committed to this process by offering his son, he's committed to not only giving us salvation, but also then giving us at the moment of salvation, a Holy Spirit to help us be sanctified. And then at one point when we die or when Jesus comes, we'll be glorified. That's the process that God has ordained for believers. And there's a couple of starting points or a few reminders maybe is a better way to put it that, that I want to start with just so I know where you are and, and the jumping off point in your relationship with Jesus. It's two verses, well actually three verses, but two different sections that, that I wanted to talk about just quickly to help you understand how to begin this process, how to be justified, basically, how to, to, to claim that reward that Jesus has so freely given. And I want to use two familiar passages, 1 John 3, 16 and 17, because I need you to, to recognize first that, that these are such important verses to start your walk with Jesus, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life, have eternal life. That's in a nutshell, justification, sanctification, glorification. For God, in verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And this is the starting point, recognizing your need for a savior recognizing that you need to be justified through the sacrifice of Jesus before a holy and a righteous God, allowing your life to be surrendered to the process that God has ordained. Do you recognize your need for a Savior? And then secondly, in Romans 10, 9, very simply put, that if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a promise. That if you, if you confess it with your mouth, you say, you know what, Lord, I need you as a savior. I want you to be Lord of my life. You will be saved. If you believe it and you confess it with your mouth, you gotta, you gotta say something to somebody. If you're at home right now and you're doing this for the first time, if you're really saying, I need a savior, According to what John says, I get it. I, I believe God loves me and I want to know Jesus. 
And I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life, like Romans 10, 9 says, and surrender in my heart to the process that God is doing of sanctification in my own life. Then you need to reach out and tell somebody, begin this journey to maturity. And it begins with salvation, that you will be saved if he is the Lord of your life, if you make him the Lord of your life. You can't enter into this process that we're going to talk about for the next nine weeks any other way. You can't be sanctified any other way. You first have to, to accept that free gift of salvation. And in so doing, you also accept the Holy Spirit as your guide and as your comfort. And that's where we're really going to start this study today. We're going to look at Galatians chapter 5 for the bulk of what we're going to talk about today. But if this is the first time you have really understood that you need a savior and that that you want to make him lord of your life and maybe you have needed a savior for many years and you finally said you know what i don't want to just go to church i don't want to just follow rules i want to make jesus the lord of my life then this hopefully will help you today to understand what it means to begin a journey of maturity in the christian faith galatians chapter 5 Verses 13 to 15. For you have been called to live in freedom. My brothers and sisters, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. But instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if we are always biting and devouring one another... Watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Paul in Galatians writes to the church here to tell them that they're no longer under the law, right? That the sacrifice has been made. Jesus has justified them. And you've been called unto freedom. Now, the interesting point of this for us personally is that that this is the phrase that liberty gets its name from. Because in the New King James or the King James Version, if you look it up, there would be that word that you have been called unto liberty. That there are choices that you get to make. You've been called into this freedom, brothers and sisters, and you have a choice to make with your life. Do you need a Savior, right? Is He the Lord of your life? Those are the first choices you are addressing today. You've been called to this freedom and you're not to use that freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, but to point to one single solitary goal that's summed up by love your neighbor as yourself. To bury yourself in the the pursuit of loving others the way you love yourself. You have some choices And as you pursue these things and as we think about being mature and and those of you that have would say you've been a believer for many years, you still make choices every day on how important God is, how important Jesus's sacrifice is, how important your relationship with with God really is. And this is a great reminder to ask yourself a couple of questions. When you make those choices, when, when you exercise your freedoms, when you exercise the liberty that you've been given, 
What are you basing those decisions on? What are you using as your compass? What is directing your choices? Who are you consulting? Are you looking to the scriptures? Are you reading every day to, to be filled up with new and, and wonderful wisdom from the word? Are you surrounding yourself with people of like mind that are following Jesus to push you to follow him more closely? You have this freedom, but you're not supposed to use it to, to justify your behaviors that, that I have grace now and now I have freedom to do these sinful things because grace will cover them all up. No. Now it's time to, to grow up. And as this series grows and moves and, and, and leaves itself out there for nine weeks, that's really what we're talking about, growing up. That we have these choices and we've got to, to have a biblical response to these choices to love like you love yourself. To love others more than yourself. The scriptures say it over and over and over. No more me first attitude, but aiming at that is step one. Starting at the basis when you are saved and you have the opportunity to, to bring Jesus' sacrifice into your own life. And now you have the Holy Spirit to guide you through the process of sanctification and maturity. The first thing you need to do is aim at loving others like you love yourself. The great thing is that inside of Galatians, they remind us that we're not alone in this process. It's not something that we have to do alone, that God himself obviously gave his son for us, but he also gives us again this Holy Spirit, this guide to walk with us through this process. So jump down to verses 16 through 18 here in Galatians 5. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do what is evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are in opposition of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation of the law. This is no longer a binding law, obedience process. You've been saved by grace through faith. It's not of yourselves, not anything you can earn, but you are also, in Ephesians 2.10, you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that are prepared in advance for you to do. There, there's, a, there's a trajectory of your life of sanctification, of growing up into maturity that's laid out for you, just waiting for you to jump on. Waiting for you to grow up. Not just take for granted that we have the freedoms to assemble and to, to worship God, but to really deepen our maturity and our commitment to God and to others. This is pretty critical stuff here, but it's pretty basic stuff as we read 5, 6 through 16 through 18, that, that these two forces are constantly fighting each other. And you can't help but think if you've grown up in America, right, of, of some 
angel on one side, devil on the other side, right? You have this picture in your mind that there's these two two dissenting voices. You've got one saying, hey, don't do that. That wouldn't be nice. And then you've got this other voice inside of you saying, hey, that guy would have done it to you. And you have to make up your mind. You have to choose in those moments what voice you're going to listen to. The nature of your sinful body, because we sin every day, that's going to happen. But we don't have to acquiesce to that. We can continue to grow and to mature and to become better prepared to answer some of those situations by allowing the Holy Spirit to be our guide, by listening to what He has for us to do. By allowing his voice to be a little louder than others. We're not alone in this process. That that we are led by the spirit is the long view of things. It is the delayed gratification piece. Because you're delaying all of the good things until you're glorified sometimes. Don't get me wrong, this world has a lot of tremendous things. Trips to the beach. I went to Yosemite National Park last year, and it is a phenomenal place to visit. God's creation is amazing. But there are, there are things that have been placed out there in eternity that we can't even imagine. And as we follow the Spirit's lead, we're allowing ourselves to to delay this temporary gratification of our physical bodies, what feels good right now to do. As we delay that gratification, we're looking and aiming at loving others like we love ourselves and hoping one day to be glorified, that we have our trust out there, that we are becoming something. Not just that we are doing something that feels good. That we are working on a whole life of things. The sinful nature is the converse. These two things are intention, right? So it has to be the opposite. It is short term, right? And you know it. I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. There are short term things that are instantly gratifying and pleasurable here in this world. They make you feel good instantly. To tell somebody off when you feel like you're, you're angry and you've been hurt. But that's a short-term benefit. It has long-term consequences. If you were to compare these two, the last two phrases for me, as I said, being led by the Spirit is that long-term view of things. It's what you are becoming. It is a process-driven thing. There is a delay in the gratification because you're developing and you're growing and you recognize you're not there yet and and you're, you're allowing yourself to become something more than you are today. The sinful nature would use things like holding, touching, feeling, those things that are that are instantly gratifying that we can get our hands around that we can that we can hold and feel and touch and know that they're real and they bring instant pleasure now but you're doing those things and so you have to wrestle with do I want to work on becoming more like Jesus 
Or do I want to do on a daily basis what feels good to me? You're going to have to hold those two things in view. Again, 13 to 15 lays out our freedom of choice. That we have these liberties, these choices, and how not to use them in inappropriate ways. And then in 16 to 18, it actually lays out some of the choices that there's going to be these, these conflicts of our nature internally. We're going to wrestle with what it is that God is doing on our everyday lives and how it affects our short-term goals and our long-term development. As we turn the, the passage further down here and look at verses 19 through 23, we'll split it up because first Paul gives us a list of some of those things that the sinful nature desires. They're pretty easy to identify in everyday life and and you know the list, you've seen it, you've read it, you probably know some of them by heart. Some of them you may struggle with and some of them you may not. But in the process of developing maturity in the faith that you have entered into, it's critical that you know the pitfalls of doing these things. And so Paul lays them out pretty clearly to the church at Galatia. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. When you please this physical body, right, then the results are sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, Paul says, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. You cannot profess to be a believer in Jesus and have the Holy Spirit in your life and continue to live in a way that is contrary to all that God stands for. If you are going to take the short-term, physical, temporal view, then you have made your choice. You have said, I'm going to enjoy this world where I am here and where I am now because it feels good. And I'm going to shun the things that God is doing in the long term. I'm not going to grow up, basically, right? When you're a teenager, all this stuff is pretty attractive to you, right? You, you think about these things and you, and you develop a hunger and a taste for this stuff because, man, this is awesome. It's great. It's fun. It's wild. I can do all these things, but they're really all about you. It's all about how you feel in that moment. And as you grow and mature, I pray that as you think about what it what it means to be married or have children or do those things that you mature personally in your development. There's a, there's a level of expectation, even culturally, that these things go away when certain benchmarks are hit in maturity, right? God says it should happen when you accept my free gift of salvation and let the Holy Spirit guide you. If you are quiet enough in your own heart, you know that when these things are 
tempting you when you are being drawn into that sinful nature, you know that there is another voice there. Nurture it. Allow it to guide you to make the right decision that, that makes you feel and become a better person for the long term. What does that look like? Well, just bump right down here to Galatians 22 and 23. Chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit now, the sinful nature produces all of those temporary gratification pieces. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against these things, there is no law. You see the difference right off the bat. One is things that you do. You can act hostily. You can be engaged in sexual immorality. You can do those things. You can, you can create division. They're action-oriented. They're immediate and they're, they're temporary. And you may feel good momentarily, but when you understand those things, then develop into who you become long term. You become in as someone who craves more and more and more short term gratification and not someone that understands the Holy Spirit has your best interests in the long haul. When you make a choice to be a believer in Jesus and accept that free gift, then the Holy Spirit is part of the package. But you have to surrender on a daily basis inside of your maturity to allow him to guide you into things like love, joy, peace. Right now in our world, there's an abundance of opportunity to grow in some of these things, right? To take the opportunity to, to be more kind to extend goodness to people, to be gentle, to be self-controlled. These are things that you want to become. They're the long-term personal characteristics and choices that compound to get you to a life that is full of overwhelming blessings. Because you will develop a relationship with God, the Father that is full of, of mutual love and admiration. He loves you more than you understand. You will also, in turn, foster relationships with others around you. You will begin to love others more than you love yourself. And that is an, an incredible long-term benefit to have the, the admiration of other people, to have them speak well of you and to have them support you when you have struggle, to, to throw into their projects and their life alongside of them, to develop these things and to become this person is the goal of this next nine weeks. It's not going to happen in nine weeks. We're just going to talk about all of the things that are possible over a lifetime. 
But ultimately, it comes down to the very first choice. Paul lays it out in 24 and 26. Verses 24 through 26 say, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's lead in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. The choice is yours. Have you surrendered completely your will and your desires first? Is Jesus Lord of your life? If so, then follow the Spirit in every aspect of your life. Have you nailed those past transgressions? Have you nailed that old version of yourself to the cross? That's what Paul says, that, that you have nailed the passions and desires of your sinful nature. You've taken that sinful nature and you've nailed it to the cross with Jesus. Have you done that? Or have you, throughout your life, thought of it more like Velcro? A way that you can take your sinful nature and hang it up on the cross when it's convenient and then, you know what, Lord, I, I really am, I'm just having a rough day so I'm going to take that sinful nature back and I'm going to indulge in it for a little while and then I'll put it back. I'll put it back though. That's not what Galatians says. Paul makes it very clear that you nail it to the cross. That it's there and it's a statement that you have decided to follow Jesus. And that means you're going to follow the Holy Spirit in every part of your life. The warning that Paul gives here is also critical. Basically, he is saying to you, if you've made that choice, and, and amen for that if you have. If this is the first time you've done it, then please let me know that so that we can come alongside of you and pray for you and, and, and do what it is that we can do to, to support you in your spiritual journey. But if you've been wrestling with this, like I said, if you've been that Velcro kind of Christian where you, you put the sinful nature away and you pull it back and you put it back, and you're like, you know, when it's convenient to me, I want to fit in. But if that's been you, then there's a challenge here to you to make it permanent. The second person that I'll talk to is that person that's been waffling back and forth and, and you need to make a decision, a choice for freedom. Freedom that frees you up to, to be the person that God has designed you to be. And once you start that journey, it's an amazing thing. The third person is somebody that's inside of the church that is using, and Paul calls it, not to be conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another because the temptation is going to be to rate your behavior now. 
How am I behaving in comparison to others inside of the church? And that tells me nothing about your actual spiritual maturity. Your behavior can be changed. God knows your heart. Church, don't modify your behavior. Give him your heart completely and totally. Enter into this process of sanctification as we, as we spend the rest of these few weeks talking about all of these different ways we can do it. Take your sinful nature today, nail it to the cross, and begin the journey that will lead you into a life that is going to be glorified. One that is full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, gentleness, self-control. Those things that you get to become by following the Holy Spirit. Take that opportunity this week to make it real, to make sure that you are committed to it 100%. And then over the next eight or nine weeks, let's talk about how we can work on it together and how important it is inside of Scripture. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for the gift of salvation for justification that you have done the work on our behalf. And Lord, I thank you for your support for your Holy Spirit that you help us and guide us with these decisions we have to make every day and you lay them out so clearly for us. I pray that we would choose you, that we would choose you, God, in these decisions that we're faced with, that we would make you more of a priority in our life Ultimately, Lord, I thank you and I praise you for what you are doing in our world and for how you will glorify us one day and reunite us with you. Lord, I pray for those that are listening today, that their hearts be encouraged, that they be resolved to be more and more like you today. Father, thank you for encouraging us today. In Jesus' name, amen.